0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Spirits and Ghost Stories. We're your hosts, Carly Bird,
1: And I'm Thomas Ahrens. Week 17. We did it. We made it to week 17. Uh, I apologize if my voice seems a little, uh, is, it, is it called hoarse? Yeah, a little hoarse. Um, Scratchy i'm dying
0: nails on a chalkboard
1: i'm very sick this week guys so i, I i'm i sorry uh i'm gonna do the best i can to get through this
0: he has one hell of a cold
1: yeah i do i don't Ugh. have covid i've been tested i'm fine I, well relatively i don't have covid yeah i'm dying of something else Yay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, the world we live in right now um <clears throat> so as i teased last week i have a really cool story um, and a lot of cool information. So, hopefully, you enjoy this uh, presentation of the witchcraft of Appalachia. Before we get into it, just to let everybody know that this is the Thursday before Thanksgiving. Yes. And for the people in the United States, we're aware of this that Thanksgiving happens on a Thursday,
0: mm-hmm. which means
1: next week. We do not have an episode scheduled. So just forewarn, we're going to have this week, and then we'll see you guys in December on the other side of Thanksgiving, where hopefully we're going to have some festive stories to tell, not just scary stuff, but right. we thought we would branch out, maybe do a Christmas story. Yep, definitely. Uh, different- Krampus, Krampus. some
0: kind of mytholog- mythological, I can speak, I promise, mythological creatures, Uh, about like holiday season yes and and hopefully Hanukkah all of them
1: uh, uh uh-huh and hopefully if you guys would like to engage with us online either email instagram facebook let us know if there's a holiday story it doesn't have to do with christianity that you think Mm -hmm. would be fun for us to tell yep so we really look forward to that um but i'm i'm ready to get into it after carly uh does her her shtick what
0: What are we we drinking tonight
1: oh yeah what are we drinking tonight (laughs)
0: Uh tonight we are drinking. Honestly, it's um it's it's a pumpkin hot chocolate concoction that we came up with. We will give you the full description in the comment section below. But for now, um, I will just let you know that Tommy went with the actual cocoa mix in his drink with his Kahlua did i say that right yeah and then i went with just the dark chocolate cacao powder mixed in with my clue and then that's why mine's a little bit darker but um i like my dark chocolate whenever i can get it and he's all about the sugar so i think it's really good we mix it with uh, tequila what kind of tequila
1: uh just cheap tequila honestly uh well, you could also use vodka too you really yes. just want some kind of um alcohol that's flavorless mm-hmm. to to mix with the um with the, the creamy liquor because you don't we want it using.
0: to be overpowering you want to taste like the kalua pim- pumpkin kalua and then the, the mm-hmm. hot chocolate powder mix we'll we'll give you the exact measurements um
1: measurements later. will be in the description of this episode
0: below so i
1: think this is cool now Stories like this, I believe, really are in my wheelhouse to tell, um, because there's a history element to it and really a cultural element. Um, There is a little bit of the scare factor. Don't get me wrong. But hopefully after this, you let's learn a little bit of something. So as I hinted to last week, we're talking about what's called granny magic or the witchcraft of Appalachia. And so let's get a little bit of backstory there, because Appalachia is not just a geographical area, which is the Blue Ridge Mountainways that go from Georgia all the way up towards Maine. Um, the oldest mountain range actually in the Western United States or the the North American continent. Um, but it's also refers to the people that actually settled here with most of them coming with a Scotch Irish background. Okay. The history of Appalachia itself. And that's what I'm going to get into first before our main story, the history of Appalachia itself and the history of granny witchcraft traditions. Although the name is relatively new, customs go back a long time. A combination of folk magic, faith healing, superstitions, granny magic was often the only source of aid for people in remote isolated regions. So think of like West Virginia, you know, in the mountains, like you don't have a Walmart, you didn't have main thoroughfares of commerce. As European settlers arrived in the colonies during the 17th and 18th century, they brought with them these traditional folk magic healing modalities from their home countries. These were primarily women. These healers used concepts they learned from their native lands, such as Scotland, England, and Ireland. Once they settled in, they made their Native American neighbors, they they blended what they had with what the Native Americans had, Mm -hmm. creating this Appalachian culture. Okay. This left heavy roots in the areas of the mountain ranges that include North Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia. Like that is the main like crust of Appalachia and Kentucky. They also blended some practice with German immigrants who arrived in the Pennsylvania mountain ranges and began migrating south and west. Soon they began to incorporate the knowledge brought to the mountains by the people of African descent as well, escaping slaves from the south during the Civil War. Traditional granny magic in- included a lot of different practices. Dowsing rods, which is the practice of using two sticks to find water, the forking, was actually granny magic from the Appalachian culture.
0: Is that real? Can you really do that? I,
1: I think so. Because it's like it's two lengths of copper you use to help find good water. Oh, the copper.
0: Okay. Yeah. You said sticks. I thought you meant like tree branches. No, I was about to go outside you know, you with know, two tree branches and just like yeah. pull them down to the ground. <laughs> Show me the water.
1: Yeah. And that's when I put you in the home. <laughs> <laughs> Often, okay. Uh, these women also worked as midwives and insisted with birthing of new babies and helped to, as, and helped as nurses and also doctors in some cases when help wasn't near.
0: In areas mm. that
1: rarely had access to professional medical care, the granny witch worked as a healer, which is basically like a nurse, crafting potions and salving teas, soothing teas, to help with medi- that had medicinal properties to help with the ailments. Sorry, guys. Deviation could be done div- divination. Oh yeah, mm? deviation could be done deviation. in the remains of tea. Yeah, so like a séance. Okay. So basically, um, they could use tea and things of that ilk. And have you ever seen like an old Chinese fairy tales where they could read the tea leaves? Yeah. That's what they're talking about. Okay. To predict good fortune, especially with upcoming crops. Okay. Because of the religious environment of the Appalachian region, in which nearly everyone was, was a starch Protestant, most of the people practicing what we today call granny magic would have been in starch contrast to the um let's just say really uptight protestant kind of culture and this is where you could see where the protestants start pushing this narrative of like these are witches and stuff you know using this folk timing stuff which is against the lord gotcha and that fact many of the charms and spells included were actually just psalms and prayers from the old bible but again it went against that protestant kind of vibe yeah in the old days, hospitals were often too far away and little suspicious and little to none of the mountain people could even afford to go to them. When, when accidents and illnesses happened, the, lo- the locals really relied on this granny witchcraft to help with you know, small aches, pains, and bruises. Mm-hmm. These traditional folk healers were skilled in herbal remedies, home remedies, spells, and energy work. So mm-hmm. that gives us a little idea of, of these people. And that gets us into our story. Time now for the Witch of Appalachia. <laughs> I had been working towards my dream position, working for the state of Tennessee, doing maintenance and upkeep for the Appalachian Trail. When I was walking out of my interview, I knew I was going to be picked. They hired me two days after, and I've been working happily ever since. The new position came with the benefit of summer house. I couldn't believe it when they told me there was a large hotel that was converted into a sort of overnight stay for backpackers. That one that that had a shower, roof over everyone's head, and they would even let me keep my family with me all summer while I did the maintenance. Wow. And so basically it's like a, um. so you have the Appalachian Trail that goes from Georgia all the way up to Maine. Mm-hmm. And so they have hotels and stuff all along the place for backpackers to stay and yeah. different things got and, little
0: hostels. Yes, basically. absolutely.
1: And this is this does exist. Um, M- uh, Andrew Duderi was one of my friends in college. He actually worked for the Appalachian Trail Service and that's what they do. You do upkeep on the trail, like cleaning of the branches and stuff fell over, it, but also making sure like the, the little motels and stuff were clean, things of that oak. Yeah. I was sent to the address and was told I could move in any time I'd like. The choice was mine. Nothing seemed off or sinister about it at the time. And honestly, I don't think the company actually knew the history behind that area. I talked it over with my wife and we decided to go for it. They said it was a large hotel that was deep in the Appalachian Trail, roughly an hour for any civilization. As my family and I turned onto the driveway, they told me it'd be a hotel, but it was actually more like an estate. It was massive. The place was enormous, 10 bedrooms, six bathrooms, and an entire basement. It wasn't finished, but it was very clean and the perfect place to store our unusual things. The whole hotel was eerily clean, almost like someone had been taking care of it for a long time. There was an enormous flower garden in the path, twisting and turning with beautiful plants all around. A long greenhouse spanned the length of the yard on the left side, filled with growing vegetables that we could take and eat to our pleasure. My wife and I were in awe of the whole place. It felt serene, peaceful beyond belief. The place was deep in the backwoods, completely surrounded by trees and brush, but it was very well kept. The greenhouse was glistening clean and the veggies were delicious. The flower garden was wonderful and made the ground smell great all day. I was walking around the corner of the hotel when I saw what looked like a small path in the trees. It was a little out of place, just a little dirt path that looked almost like an animal trail. I walked to the edge of the woods and that's exactly what it was. It looked like someone had walked it so much that the ground had worn in its own little path. I followed it back a while when I froze. Before me lay two graves, dusty and dirty, with broken headstones. They were worn so bad the names couldn't be read, but I could catch a bit of date. 1860 something? That's all it was legible. Why was why was there a lone grave out there? Was there someone who visited it often? Why was this path so well worn for two stones that were in such poor condition? I was entranced by the stone when I heard a blood-curdling scream. Someone in the woods passed the grave. It scared the hell out of me. So badly I tripped over myself trying to hightail it out of there. I ran back towards the hotel and found my wife and child standing in the backyard looking for me. What's wrong? Why do you look like you just saw a ghost? They hadn't heard the scream apparently. I wasn't going to make matters worse and scare them too. So I told them I thought it was a bear. She eyed me inquisitively but took my explanation to heart. We went back inside to have an early dinner. The next morning we woke up and I decided to grab some vegetables from the greenhouse for breakfast. Nothing goes better with eggs than some fresh spinach. That's you, Carly.
0: And zucchini.
1: Yep. I crept downstairs so the, so the others could sleep a little while longer. I threw on a robe and some sandals and headed out the door. As I walked towards the greenhouse, I heard something. It sounded like a low, pantering humming creeping closer. I could make out that it was a, a woman's voice humming some kind of song a chant almost. It was beautiful, soft, and almost motherlike. I could make out a dark figure through the forest, through the frosted... I'm, I could make out a dark figure through the frosted glass walls. I called out, Hello? Hello? The humming stopped. I walked slowly to the door and peeked in the entrance. Inside, I saw a filthy ragged old woman looking blankly at the produce before her
0: Mm.
1: i took a step inside and she cracked her head my direction (gasps) peering almost as she's peering straight through me she looked like she wanted to murder me i couldn't move i couldn't speak i just froze she screamed the same scream i heard the day before i winced and closed my eyes and before i knew it the scream stopped she was gone not a trace left that she was ever there I grabbed what I needed and sprinted inside. I wanted to call the police. I should have called them, but there wasn't a good explanation for it. I didn't want to seem like a lunatic. I've heard the horror stories of getting put into psychiatric horrors against your own will because they think you're cuckoo. Hmm. No thanks at all. I decided to brush it off. Maybe I was still stuck dreaming or something. I made breakfast, brought it up to my wife and got on about my day. The grass needed to be mowed. It was the only thing that needed to be cleaned up. And I had to get to the trail to clean off a tree that actually fell the other day. The only thing that really on the property wasn't maintained well was that graveyard. I figured I could clean those up. I got the mower out Don't of the little shed. Don't touch graves. I know, right? I got the mower out of the little shed and was going to start it when I saw a backpacker walking up the drive. He called out to me first, asking if I was the new caretaker of the hotel. He said jokingly, are you the new owner of this establishment? No, I don't technically own it. Before I could finish anything, he cuts me off. Oh, I know, son, I know. They owned it for more than 100 years now, he said. I couldn't really believe what he was saying. The hotel was over 100 years old? It looked immaculate. thing wrong with it. Excuse me, you said 100 years old? I mean, maybe 200? I mean, who can tell? Dude, there's like a huge jump there between 100 to 200 years. You
0: can tell? Definitely sounds like It well.
1: definitely sounds like an old backpacker. You're yeah. like arguing with a hobo. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. What it's old. Is it? What year is it? Who am I? <laughs> perfect, he said. It's perfect because she keeps it perfect. <gasps> she is the best hotel keeper there is. Again, he wasn't making any sense. Who is this guy? He's a hobo, it sounds like. <laughs> there's not a hotel around for miles. So he's definitely not a neighbor. He's a backpacker, you dumbass. You just said that. Are you talking about the old lady I've seen around here? Does she still live on the property, I asked? Oh, she's on the property. But she she's not ain't living. Not ain't living? That's what it says. She's the previous owner of this here establishment. This was her hotel, along with her husband and child. Her name was Constance.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
1: The old man stood there for over an hour describing the situation of the property to me. Oh my gosh. Yep, yep, this is this, this tracks. <laughs> I had to sit down at some point. I had to sit down so I like, Please stop talking. At some <laughs> point, I'm getting dizzy with everything he told me. The hotel was built around 1867, to be exact. Okay, 1860s, 1870. Okay, so it started to be built in the 1860s and it was finished in 1867, which was around the Civil War. Constance and her husband had just had a child and decided to build the hotel for their family. Her husband and my money... Guys, this is the old man talking that way. I'm reading it as it was. They had an amazing life until a rival family paid to have them kinfolk shot. What? So there was two rival families.
0: And one Appalachia, shot the other.
1: Yep, and they ordered a hit on them. While Constance was out of the hotel, the men came and burned down the hotel. And took and killed her husband and her young child. Constance came back to the hotel and saw her destroyed and shattered life. She was so distraughtened that she decided to join her beloved family in the afterlife. She killed herself in the ashes of her own hotel. Hmm. Others happened upon... That should I just go back to normal talk, or should I keep?
0: With no, the, I really like it. Keep going. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Appalachian hillbilly.
1: Was a, this is a great accent. thing. am mm-hmm. And killed herself in the ashes of her establishment. Others happened upon this family estate and decided it must have been a freak accident. They buried and her child with her husband, but they never could have done find Constantine's body.
0: Oh wow, her body disappeared.
1: This is the other guy now. Over the years, people forgot about the incident and no one paid any attention to the property. Somehow the hotel was reconstructed piece by piece to its original glory. But people don't really know how. Well, I think I have an idea to that. It was Constance, her soul torn in saunders, anchored to the place she loved and the people she cared daily for. That's who I was seeing around the property so many years. After the story, the old man was on his merry way. She must be angry still that others would have taken up residence in her hotel. Apparently, sometime, the company found the property and was able to buy it from the state. They paved the driveway into the woods, straightened up the hotel, and got it up and running to be used by backpackers on the Appalachian Trail. I went out and bought some masonry materials and supplies. Sorry. The next day I went out and bought some masonry materials and supplies. I waited until later in the evening and went out to the graves and put the headstones back into their places.
0: So wait, the headstones have to have belonged to the husband and the child yeah. because they never found her body, right? That's there's the, make, why there's
1: only two gravestones.
0: Right. That's what I'm, that's basically
1: Well, the point. remember it, the old hillbilly was talking about that. Yeah. Yonder and the sonder.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: As as, as I'm sorry. (coughs) Oh, Lordy. Mm, Wow, the hibbler thing. I really heard your voice. As I got to the second stone, I heard, as I was cleaning this, guys, I'll back up some. I started to clean up the gravesite and put the headstones back into their rightful place. As I got to the second stone, I heard the scream. This time, it was much closer. I looked past the site out into the woods and saw Constance. She looked angry, almost floating there. Her hair suspended in her hair suspended in the air. It's like she didn't know what I was doing out there. Like she thought I was there to destroy what was left of her stone, her headstones. She started to walk towards me, then started sprinting. It was terrifying. I braced for what was to come, not knowing what would happen. When my wife and kid came through the trees, Constance stopped cold. She looked confused. My wife came up to me, kissed me on the cheek, and gave me our child. We stood there for a while. I don't think they could see her, but I did. I could see her demeanor change. I could see how happy we were. She could see how happy we were, and then she looked down to see that I was actually trying to restore her family's headstones. I gave my kid back to my wife, fixed up the second stone, and looked up. Constance had changed. She looked beautiful, nothing like before. She had long blonde hair flowing past a stunning moon silk dress. This was the actual Constance, the one that loved her family and the hotel just as much as I did. She nodded at me and turned, walking into the dense woods. Ever since that day, the nightmares have stopped and the property went back to normal. And that was the tale the witch in the woods
0: that had such a great ending I know
1: I, I kind of like that because it was um, I mean yeah
0: it leaves you with such like a peaceful uh like a relief to be like okay he resolved the issue because she had never been laid to rest and she had constantly for a hundred or 200 years been basically trying to um get back for her family you know the loss of her family the loss of her estate and everything and then to realize that the person living there loved her house and had a family that she loved just as much he Mm -hmm. loved it just as much as she did um loved her own and basically she gets being she's laid to rest and she can stop fighting
1: yeah and i really like that because i think like so many ghost stories generally speaking like i'm you know They're evil, bad, like, you know what I mean? It's like, great example of this, Tucker and Dale versus evil. It's kind of like that switcheroo. Oh my
0: gosh, if you have not seen that movie, please watch it. Every time I do, I laugh so hard I cry.
1: It is a real, it's it's so much fun. And- Oh, anyway, back back to what I was saying. It's that switch. Like a ghost is not. It, we always think of it as an evil spirit, but yeah. sometimes they're just lost or hurt. And mm-hmm. the idea, like I thought, that was neat with this story. And it talks about that granny magic where she built this hotel. They were out in the middle of the woods. Clearly, she has her blood ties to Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And there's also that 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 like Appalachian family feud of one family fighting the other one. And then just a you know, I hope you guys like my accent by the way today. Really really practiced that.
0: Yeah, please give us some feedback on that. Should we hear some more hillbilly Tom?
1: Well, it's better than my 70s porno voice isn't it <laughs> much. well but I, I hope you guys really learn lear, uh i hope you guys really learned that
0: I hope, I, <laughs> he's stuck he's stuck <laughs> in it i hope you guys done did learn that
1: i hope that tickled the pickle and uh you knew what that meant it that means your brain noodle um i'm sorry that i now have alienated all of our uh,
0: yeah you ruined family that.
1: and friends in hagerstown i apologize um but I hope you enjoyed that story. It was really fun to research like how deep the culture of Appalachia is and really be fun to go to a museum about that to learn a little bit more. Because you think about it, we live in the Appalachian area and how remote a lot of it can be. Mm -hmm. Like I think we used to live near the Shenandoah Valley. That's just Mm -hmm. one part of it. But you think about West Virginia, Tennessee, like that area, like there are some places in there that is completely Isolated, Mm -hmm. which is insane because the East Coast of the United States is super populated, but you can go to these places and you can think, okay, if it's remote now, Mm -hmm. 100 years ago, yeah, like you couldn't get a hospital.
0: Oh, my gosh. Do you remember whenever we drove to Seneca Rock? Yeah. To basically we climb that like big mountain or that big rock. Mm -hmm. That was one of the coolest experiences. But to get there, we had no service. No service we were at all. just driving up and down and around mountains and it was just windy and curvy. And there were, it was just force. Just a bunch everywhere. of kinfolk. We never even passed any other cars. We multiple multiple times we said it to each other like wow it's like so isolating out here out in the hills of west virginia
1: it's crazy and that's why like this is so interesting to me because it is like a cultural thing that blends like that superstition of witchcraft and i loved how they they hit on like the protestants and stuff and like you have this major christian group that starts to move into appalachia and then you have these people that are in a remote place that create their own culture and maybe that's how this witchcraft actually started was again religious fanatics like oh that's that they're witches because they think differently than us Mm. and it's like uh how much of human history and mythology is based on that where a religious sect moves into people like you're different therefore
0: you must die (laughs) yeah
1: you must die or or, 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 tis a witch (gasps) so anyway i think i thought that was a lot of fun yeah um happy holidays
0: everyone we really appreciate um you listening to this episode and we will see you back in december
1: yep happy thanksgiving to our american friends and if you don't celebrate thanksgiving just hopefully have a great week have a nice break yep and from all of us here my name is thomas aarons
0: this is carly bird
1: this was spirits and ghost stories bye guys Bye.